Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Well, again, we're continuing in the series, Win the One, and I'm going to take you to the book of Acts. I love teaching the Bible. If you've ever heard me before, I will tell you my favorite thing to do in pretty much all the world is to be able to teach the Word of God. Because hear me, friends, the Bible isn't meant to be intimidating. The Bible isn't meant to look pretty on your shelf. The Bible is meant to be able to open it, to be inspired by it, to be able to literally hear the awesome words of God, to find out who you are and who he created to be. It is awesome. So Acts chapter 8 is where we're going. Take out your phones real quickly. You can check in on your social media, check in on Facebook, let people know that you're here. And you can open up your version app on your Apple or your Droid. If you don't have a Bible here today, that's fine. You can follow along on the screens, or if you would like a Bible, we would love to gift you one. They're just on the sides of our worship experience. And so let's pray real quick before we jump into this story in Acts chapter 8. Father God, you are amazing, and I thank you for today, and I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, that our hearts would be open for your word today. Your word is here to encourage us, to God give us vision for our lives, and I just pray that today would be passionate, it would be powerful, and it would just be a day that marks history in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And we say what? Amen. Amen. All right, so the book of Acts is all about winning the one. You see, the book of Acts is this early record of how the church ever began. You could read throughout its chapters. You could see the first sermon ever preached by somebody other than Jesus. It was by Peter. Peter got up, shared a sermon, preached a message, and 3,000 people got saved that day. And so the Bible is amazing, and the book of Acts is all about winning the one. You could read throughout how men, women, were all going throughout the nation and the world telling people what they learned about Jesus, and they could not help but win the one. And today I want to share with you just four thoughts. Four thoughts when it comes to winning the one. Because what is winning the one? Well, it's that you and I were created to make a difference in the lives of other people. We were created to go and reach the one to make a difference in their life. And so four thoughts. In Acts chapter 8, we're going to focus on a man named Philip. Now, Philip is an ordinary guy. He was a guy who found out about Jesus, decided to be a follower of Christ. He got water baptized. And what happened in Philip's life is this, is that there were the original disciples. And now they're known as the apostles in the book of Acts. And these guys were the leaders of the church, okay? They were the the main pastors, the main leadership of the church. And the church was growing so quickly that they realized we can't do this on our own. We can't manage the ministry. We can't do everything that needs to be done because we're growing. Come on, somebody. Growing is a good problem, isn't it? So they're growing. And they said, okay, we're going to pick seven people. We're going to pick seven people, and we're looking for someone who has heart, who is respected by other people, who's got integrity, and, and they're just filled with the Spirit of God, man. They're passionate, and God is living on the inside of them in their heart. We need seven people like that. Well, Philip is one of those seven people. And so here we find him, and his first ministry opportunity is to care for the one. That's the first thing I want you. If you're taking notes, you can text it on your phone. You can log in on your social media. You can put your notes up for your friends to see. You can jot it down on pen, but write down, care for the one. See, something happens when we experience the love of God, doesn't it? Something happens when I recognize that, man, the creator of heaven and earth The God who formed me knows me better than anybody else loves me. 
And that love inside of me, that, that, oh my goodness, look what he's doing in my life. It's natural that it overflows for people. Come on, somebody. It's natural that it goes from my life that I want to pour out to others. And so here we have this man that people have recognized as a person of integrity, that they realize that he loves God and they give him his first ministry position, right? Some of us are excited to serve in the ministry. His first ministry position was to serve in a soup kitchen. The first ministry position that he ever had was to make sure that orphans and widows and those who were going hungry had food in their stomachs. And hear me, he did it with great joy. He did it with love. He did it with patience. He did it with passion. And he served these people in a soup kitchen. See, I remember my very first responsibility in church. I gave my life to Christ 16 years ago. And two short years after that, I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. And so I enrolled in a school where they would teach you ministry. Do you know the responsibility that they gave me? Right? I got a call of God in my life. I'm ready to serve him. I'm passionate. What are you going to have me do? See that section over here? And we were at another church, but they said that section of chairs right there? That's your responsibility, Lindsay. Your responsibility every single week is you're responsible for those 40 chairs. I need you to stack them. I need you to move them. I need you to put them away. And then I need you to stack them again, bring them out, lay them out, and that's your job. Chairs. It's awesome. I'm called to change the world, right? Chairs. But you see, if I have an overwhelming love for God, there's an overwhelming love for people that should be rising up in me. And to care for people is an action. And so I realized that my heart was getting a work done on it. And those chairs weren't just metal and foam to me anymore. Those chairs represented people. And so as an intern, as I'm learning in this school of ministry, I stopped just looking at it as a responsibility, but I looked at it as an opportunity. It was an opportunity to pray over those chairs that I was laying out each week, believing that young people were gonna come and sit in those chairs and they were gonna hear the message of Jesus. I began to care about the work because I began to care more about people. Friends, if we wanna win the one, it's not just about talent. Because hear me, many of us are talented. And our talent can get us to that stage. Our talent can get us to that platform. Or our talent, our gift can get us to that office in the corner with a good view. But if you don't have the right heart, it's not going to keep you there. Talents won't keep you there, but heart will surpass that dream that you have. And so we've got to care for people. So I want to ask us this morning, do I care for people? Do I care? Is there a growing concern in my life for those who are outside my small circle? Or am I strictly more concerned about myself? Because when we care for people, caring leads to action. Now I want to encourage you, we love our A-team here. At Avenue Church, we knew that we could not do church alone. We knew that we could not make a difference in our city by ourselves. And we have an awesome, awesome team of men, women, and children. And we are called the A-team. And when we serve, come on somebody, we are making a difference in our church. We're making a difference in our community. And I want to encourage you, if you have big dreams, do not despise small beginnings. If you have vision for your life that you have somewhere greater to be, somewhere further to go, and right now your responsibilities or the opportunities that you're getting does not match what's in your heart, do not despise small beginnings. Because in Zechariah 4.10, we're told that the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We're a work, friends. We're a work in progress, and we take joy. God rejoices. It is delightful to him 
to see something beginning in you. And so never, never be discouraged about serving people in any capacity. So he served in this soup kitchen. Each day he would pray for people. Each day he would serve food to to women, to children, to those who were in need. And then one day something happened. All the Christians began to scatter into different parts of the nation. And he ended up in Samaria. And we watched this amazing thing in Philip's life as he transitioned from serving soup to now preaching sermons. Remember, friends, if the gift is in you, if you've got a talent in you, it's going to come out. And God is going to use it on a platform to reach many, but he wants to make sure that you care. And so here he is in Samaria, and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, revival breaks out. Our friend Philip goes from, from serving food to now preaching the gospel message of Jesus. And not only is he preaching and standing up in front of dozens and hundreds of people, now he starts performing miracles. The sick are being healed. Those who cannot walk are standing up on straight and strong legs. God is doing great things through an ordinary man. That is why I love Jesus. That is why I love the church, because he takes ordinary things and uses them for extraordinary plans. I love it. Come on. And it says in Acts chapter 8 that revival broke out and there was great joy in the city. Hear me. Jesus was the source of the joy. But who brought Jesus to Samaria? Philip. Jesus was the source of the miracle. Philip didn't make the lame walk. He didn't heal the sick. That was all God doing the work. But he allowed himself to be used by God. He brought Jesus to Samaria. Have you ever been a part of something great? Have you ever been a a part of something that was bigger than you? And you're like, wow, look at this. It's huge. It's awesome. I, I had a hand in that. Hear me, Philip had reason to celebrate his life right there. He could look out and see revival and be like, man, God used me to change this entire city. And this city now has joy because I brought something. I brought the message of Jesus to the city. That's awesome. But then what does God do with Philip? Because hear me, God uses the one to win the one. And in Philip's case, he used one to win many. And what happens next in Philip's life is that God speaks to him through the angel of the Lord, and he says this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, I want you to go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. I want you to think about this for a second, is that Philip must have been on the greatest high. If you've ever done something greater, you have accomplished something, and something is happening before your very eyes, you're amazed. You're in awe. You're humbled that you're part of something awesome. And now God is speaking to him and saying, I want you to leave the city of joy. And I want you to go on the desert road. See, friends, this road was not just any road. This was an abandoned road. Philip knew this. Nobody went on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. It would be a one in a million chance that he would ever even run into somebody. Can you imagine what he's feeling? God, you just used me to heal the sick. God, you just used me to preach to dozens and to hundreds of people, and there are miracles. Did I do something wrong? Some of us can feel when God takes us out of joy, takes us out of success, and sends us. He sends us to somewhere quiet, somewhere less traveled. It may feel as if God is punishing us, but that is not what God was doing in Philip's 
life. It says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. You and I are going to have an opportunity every time God speaks. And that is, I want you to write this down, number two, obey the one. See, we want to go and we want to care for the one and the one is the person. But when I say obey the one, I'm talking we have a chance when God speaks, do we obey him? That when he says something to us or directs us or, oh, maybe you've never even heard God speak to you, but you've got this inkling. You've got this, this gut check where you're like, I'm supposed to, to do this. But it doesn't make sense. Why would I leave success? Why would I leave joy to go down a deserted road? See, obey the one. Obey the one. Have you ever felt like God removed you from something? Have you ever felt like God took you from a place that you were joying, a place that you were good at? You didn't quite understand. But what I'm telling you right now is that as we grow closer to God and we allow him to come into our lives, that's what we're doing at Avenue. That's what we're doing week after week is we exist that people can know God. And as we know God, we begin to allow him more and more to our lives, don't we? We, we realize that, man, I need a savior. I am messed up on my own and I need Jesus. But then it goes from I'm just messed up on my own and I need Jesus to I really love him. And, and he's making a difference in my life and, and I want more of him. And so you start opening your life to hear more. You start opening your life to do more. And he starts speaking. I do not want you to be shocked when God starts speaking to you. I don't want you to be shocked when you open up your Bible and you're like, I've never done this before. And yet things are jumping out at the page for you. Do not be shocked. Because that's what God does. He wants to talk. And what happens when he gives you something that makes no sense? I want you to obey him even when you don't see the big picture. Obey him even if you don't see the big picture. See, the thing about God is he's got jokes. <laughs> see, sometimes he gives us just little pieces. Sometimes he just gives us steps or glimpses. Rarely do we get the big picture start to finish. You may get a vision of what something may look like, but then you don't know how the heck you're going to get there. You just got to trust that he's calling you there. Amen? And so there's these things that happen, and I'm asking you to win the one. You got to obey the one, and you got to obey him even when you don't see the big picture. So if I'm asking by God to, to go down a deserted road, an abandoned road where only leads to a city where no one lives, go anyway. If he said it, go anyway. And I also want you to obey even when you don't understand. That's what God wants from us. But it's, it's deserted. There's not going to be anybody there. I, I, I've got hundreds here. There's joy in my city. I have success in my city. Go anyway obey anywhere. See, Isaiah tells us that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so we don't understand the big picture. Friends, for some of you, you're called to such great things that if you saw it, you'd be too scared to even pursue it. And so God is just being kind to you and he's taking you step by step by step so he can guarantee that you're going to go get there. Because if he did it all at once, you'd be overwhelmed and you wouldn't even take one step. God is amazing and he's calling you, but you have to understand you don't think like him and you don't know things like him. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not his ways. And so here's Philip. I'd be a little mad, <laughs> to be honest. I got something going good here, God. But I'm going to obey anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. And so he hand, heads out on an abandoned road. And so verse 27 of Acts chapter 8, it says, so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, 
an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. And so what are the chances, a million and one friends, that he sees a man, not an ordinary man, we're talking a man of great nobility, a man of great authority, a man from a country that this man had never been to, a man that doesn't look like him or talk like him, and he sees this man coming down this road. And it says this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way home, and he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So you've got this Ethiopian official, this man from Africa, and he's reading out loud a Bible, and here he, he's just, he's looking at it. Philip is just looking, and God says to him, go to the chariot and stay near it. God doesn't even say, go speak to him. So here we are, God. It's not like I'm in a crowd where God like puts somebody on your heart and you can kind of creep up next to them, right? And you're blending in with people. No, Philip is the only person on this road. And the chariot is the only other thing on this road. And you want me to go stand near the chariot. What a stinking creeper. You want me just to not go give me instruction to talk. You want me to just go stand by homie's car and wait for instruction? What am I doing? Friends, I'm not going to lie to you. God is sometimes going to ask you to stop, do stuff that you look ridiculous doing. You will look ridiculous and it makes absolutely no sense to you, but it makes all the sense to God and he is working. And so what do we do? We obey. So I see Philip again, man, you must really not like me today. You kicked me out of Samaria where there was revival. And now I got to go up to a man who realistically, culturally, and socially, I'm not even allowed to talk to. It's like having a governor or a senator, and we are just ordinary folks, okay? You're having a prince or somebody of royalty there, and God is saying, go stand by them. Culturally speaking, you wouldn't stand by them. Socially speaking, you wouldn't be allowed to go talk to them. But what does Philip do? Philip obeys, and he walks straight over there, and he hears this man reading the book of Isaiah. And so Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading. You have to look for a connection point with people, friends. When God puts somebody in your path, if you want to win the one, if you want to make a difference in somebody's life, you got to find something to talk to them about. You got to get where they're at on their level. And on this man's level, the Ethiopian official, his level was he was reading the book of Isaiah. And so Philip asked him, God didn't say ask him. God just said, go over there. And because Philip had a care for people, because he obeyed the one, he says, do you understand what you were reading? And the Ethiopian man said, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. It says he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. So this man is reading these words from the Bible and he does not know what he is reading. And he's reading these words, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, he said, please tell me, who is Isaiah speaking of? Is he, is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And Philip began with that very message. You begin with whatever people tell you. You begin with whatever people are going through. If you have a coworker who is angry as all get out in that break room and you have an opportunity to talk to them, you're angry. You wanna, what are you angry about? Man, I was angry one time too. 
And see, this is somebody's story in our church. I came to church and my pastor was preaching anger. I came to a sermon where the title was, You Mad Bro? And that day I decided I needed Jesus in my life. See, we look for connection points to share the one. So we care for the one. We obey the one. And thirdly, we share the one who is Jesus Christ. And so here is this man who is reading these words, and he has no idea what he's reading about. And so Philip goes, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. That, that, that's Jesus. See, Jesus was that lamb. Jesus was that perfect, spotless, fully God, fully human person who came to this earth and he humbled himself and he loved us. And hear me, we rejected him. He performed miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. When people would cast out others from society, when people in churches would look at a woman and say, you are not worth it that you don't deserve grace, you don't deserve mercy, Jesus would step in and say, no, 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 I've forgiven her of her sins. I see her as brand new. And so Philip is sharing that this Jesus went to the cross because we needed someone to give their life, someone who was perfect. Because if we are honest, you and I are not perfect. You and I make mistakes every single day, sun up to sundown. Sometimes I feel the only times I'm not making a mistake is when I'm sleeping. And so here we are, we need Christ Jesus and God sent his one and only son to die on a cross so that you and I would be right with God again. It's awesome. It's awesome that there's no one here on earth that can look at you and remember nothing that you've done. There's no one on this earth that can make it so that God looks at you and only sees his son, Jesus Christ. That God can put passion in you. And you may be thinking, I was born with nothing. I was born into nothing and I was born with nothing and I still feel like I have nothing. But when you have Jesus, friends, you have everything. You have new opportunity. The Bible tells us that when we come into a relationship with Jesus, that all things in my life are made new. I am made new. That although my circumstances may not change, I change and therefore I overcome my circumstances. See, this is what Philip was sharing. That Jesus did an amazing thing and we saw him. We saw the miracles. We saw the crucifixion. We saw him rise again. What an incredible, incredible thing. And this is the eunuch's response. Because hear me, when you share the one, people will respond. They'll respond when they are good and ready. And this is what the Ethiopian man said to him. As they traveled along the road, they came by some water. So here they are in abandoned desert rows, and lo and behold, there's water. And the man says to Philip, what can stand in my way from being water baptized? Hear me. Philip didn't even bring up and ask him, do you want to be water baptized? He heard the message of Jesus. This official heard how good God was and that he was the one that Isaiah was writing about. And he couldn't help but want to respond. And so he, he's walking and, and going on this chariot and he sees water and he says, what stands in my way? from being water baptized. Friends, nothing stands in your way from being water baptized. There's nothing under the sun that will stand in your way if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your heart to ask him to come into your life, that you need him. And water baptism is a natural response. And so they pull this chariot over and they get out and Philip baptizes him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this man gets up soaking wet probably dressed in the most gorgeous 
of robes, the most gorgeous attire, and he got into dirty, muddy water, and he was baptized. Why? Because he believed. Throughout the book of Acts, throughout our church now in 2018, when we hear the gospel message of Jesus, gospel just means good news, and the good news of Jesus is that he died for us so you and I can go to heaven and we can have relationship with God here on earth, that life can be different. And so when we hear that gospel message, the natural response all throughout the New Testament is then they got water baptized. Because water baptism signifies new life. Water baptism signifies, you know what? I lived this way, but now I'm putting that life to death and I am waking up, coming up a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So he said, what stands in my way? Nothing, nothing. See, I remember um, a few years ago, I was working at a church as an associate pastor, and I was with Pastor Monica. Now, many of you know Pastor Monica. She's awesome. We call her Fuego. It means fire. That girl's a powerhouse. And she and I were at the church, and we were preparing for a meeting that night, so we had plans. And a woman came to my office. She's someone who I also worked with, and she said, my husband needs prayer. You see, my husband is deaf, and my husband is blind. He wasn't always deaf. He wasn't always blind, but he had meningitis. And the meningitis has taken away his sight and the meningitis has taken away his ability to hear. And my husband, he, he's, he's seeing things even though he can't see and he's being tormented and, and things are not going well for him. And he is distraught. Pastor Lindsay, will you come pray for him? So I said, yeah, but I'm bringing fuego. <laughs> so me and Pastor Monica, hear me, it's October. And it was a cooler October. We're at the end of October. It's cool outside. We're fully dressed. We've got jeans on, boots on, long sleeve shirts, and we make our way over to West Las Vegas. And we come to this man, and you're probably wondering, well, how can you communicate with him? I could write letters on his hand, one letter at a time, and he would understand what I'm saying. So I introduced myself. My name is Lindsay. I want to pray for you. Tell me what's wrong. And, and he could tell me because he still had his voice. So he told me everything that was going on, and I would converse back with him by writing on his hand or even writing sometimes on his forehead, whichever was easier for him. And at the end of our conversation, we prayed for him. And he said, what's stopping me from being water baptized? And I look at Pastor Monica and I look at this man and I I look at this wife and I look down at my clothes and I thought, nothing. We're in an apartment complex. Your apartment, the pool's closed because it's cold outside, but do you have a jacuzzi? Yeah. So we locked arms with this man and we walked him down into a jacuzzi, fully clothed, Pastor Monica and I. And in that jacuzzi, we baptized that man. And with tears down his eyes, I said, is it your desire to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to allow him to love you because he died for you? And with tears in his eyes, this man who could not hear and could not see said, yes. Friends, he was blindly trusting me. We have eyes. We have ears. We can read the word of God. We can see who's on this platform. We can read the scripture on the screens. And yet here was this man, blind and deaf, with two women in a hot tub, (laughs) fully clothed. Come on, somebody. And Monica and I baptized him that evening. It was awesome. She and I were drenched and just giggling. We got into the car and we were regretting the fact that we drove a convertible that night. 
because we're driving down the 95 rejoicing but freezing our butts off. But it was worth it. The only thing that stands in our way from being water baptized is us. The only thing that ever stands in our way of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is us. And so if you are here today and you're saying, you know what, I've either walked away a while ago, I haven't been in this atmosphere in a while, or I have never asked him to be a part of any part of my life, but today I want to. You see, the fourth thing is win the one. Friends, you and I don't win the one. God wins the one. You and I simply make a way for people to get to know him. Isn't that awesome? There's no pressure on me. There's no pressure on on you to, to see someone come to knowing Jesus. But if you are here today, the only thing between you and him is you. And if you want to make him a part of your life today, I'm going to pray for you. And not only am I going to pray for you, if you are here today and you had absolutely no plans of anything in the courtyard, your plans were to go get some breakfast. (laughs) Your plans were to go home and get that to-do list done. But something is happening right now in your heart and you're saying that I want to be water baptized. I'm asking you not to talk yourself out of it. I'm telling you that today is the day of salvation and that if I could get in a hot tub, fully clothed on a cold night in October to see new life happen in somebody's life, you can get in a tub of water today and experience new life in Jesus too. So out of respect, I'm going to ask you real quick to bow your heads because I believe God is doing something awesome. We have been praying for you, church, for weeks for this day. We have been waiting for this day. And so if you are here this morning and you are saying, I want to have him in my heart at a greater level. I want to ask him to come into my life, to be Lord of my life, to to have a spot on my heart where he is king and he is Lord. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. See, together as a church family, this is what we do. I see your hand. What we do is we we do things together. And so if you would, would you pray this out loud with me? Because we're going to go and do this as a family with those who are accepting Jesus or recommitting. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for living a life without you. Thank you for giving your life for me. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Take me on a faith journey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody, that's awesome. The Bible tells us that everyone in heaven rejoices at just one. Do you know if just one person gets baptized today, it was all worth it? That if just one person came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it was worth it. God took Philip away from a Holy Ghost joyful party, and he took him down a road for one person. That's how much our God loves us. And so what I want to encourage you to do is everybody stand up with me, because this is a celebration, and we have prepared a fun time for you out in our courtyard. And we want to cheer. We want to celebrate. We want to get excited for those who are being water baptized today. And if you are in this room and you didn't plan on it, guess what? We planned on you. And so we've got shirts out there. We've got towels. Come on, somebody. It's going to be 100 degrees anyways. Roll down your windows. It's okay. Your seat will dry by the end of the day. We are good. 
Yes. So go outside. We've got a big avenue canopy, and it, you can register right there. We're going to connect you with some people, and we are going to see you make this public declaration of your faith. We are excited for you. We love you. Join us. Grab your children. Take them out there. We've got sweet treats. If you want to go to Growth Track, don't worry. That's still happening, but we're going to see people and celebrate new life first. God bless you. We love you. I'll meet you in the courtyard. Head on out.